The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Welcome to the show, everyone. Welcome to the week. We have a new week we're kicking off here. You know, I always slide into Mondays a little slowly. I always feel like um, I'm tired. I don't know why. The weekends are supposed to be the time to catch up, right, on sleep and stuff. doesn't seem to happen. Um, but I'm always, you know, I gear up for the week. But by the time showtime rolls around, I feel a little uh, tired. And uh, But ever when I hear that theme song, it's like a shot in the arm. It's like a big adrenaline shot right in the arm, right there, right in the arm. And uh, I'm ready to go. We've got a great show tonight. Marianne Borer will be with us talking about her book called The Gift Within Us. It's it's a discussion about changing the perception of intuition so that everyone can learn to listen to their own inner voice and get divine guidance in the process. Please support the program. Go to patreon.com slash johaw. That's J-O-H-A-W. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome back to the show. It's Beyond Reality. I'm your host, J.V. Johnson. By the way, make sure you subscribe to all of our social media all of our platforms, you know the tick list, but certainly go to YouTube. Find us on YouTube. JV Johnson is the easiest way to locate it and subscribe there. Also, our Twitch channel, which, as I've said before, is going to be the focus of our weekend programming, ultimately. Right now, we're doing um, streams on both. But ultimately, the week, during the week, will be on YouTube. During the weekends, we'll be on Twitch. And, uh, and of course, we have our regular podcast and our regular radio broadcast as well. So we've got a lot going on, and we encourage you to be part of all of it, if you can, at least as much as you can. Tonight, we're going to be talking about something very, very interesting and in many ways very personal. Marianne Borer is our guest. Marianne is a PR professional, communications specialist, and, of course, an intuition advocate. She's written a book called The Gift Within Us, Intuition, Spirituality, and the Power of Our Own Inner Voice. And we're going to be talking about the changing we're going to talk about changing the perception of intuition so that everyone can learn to listen to their own inner voice and get divine guidance in the process. Marianne, that's a really simple sentence on the surface, but when you break it all down, that sentence, what I just read about what we're going to be talking about tonight, says a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, I think that, you know, we've all heard of intuition and, you know, it's been kind of downgraded like women's intuition or whatever. Um, people are afraid to embrace it. But truthfully, you know, think about it. We had our form of communication back in the day was the, the phone with the cord. Now we have the <laughs> iPhone where we can virtually do anything from anywhere. But the next form, which I think we're fast approaching, is really typing into our intuition a lot more. Um, it's just a very sophisticated form of communication that has been kind of maligned and stereotyped as a silly thing for years, and it's time people kind of wake up and, and get with it. You know, to put an exclamation point on what you just said, uh, you know, talking about having a phone, I mean, really, I mean, I don't don't go back far enough to remember, uh, you know, the, the phones where you had to crank the handle and all that. But I go back, I do go back far enough to remembering the phone where you basically had one phone in the house. A lot of times it was in the kitchen and, and, and then you'd get this long stretch cord so you could take it into other rooms, right? And, you, and you'd, you know, walk into other rooms, try to get around the corner so you could have a little privacy. I mean... 
And and now we're uh, we're as you said, we've advanced that form of communication with iPhones, and to have a cord of any kind is almost unthinkable at this point. And um, we have to start thinking about ourselves that way too, right? We are growing and advancing spiritually. Yeah, and the thing about the phone, uh, iPhone, with intuition, there is no phone bill. So it's even better than having any kind of iPhone because you're not having to pay anybody for this. Yeah, these iPhone things are about the size of either a, a large car payment or a small mortgage anymore. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> hey, how does somebody, Marion, how does somebody who is a, uh, uh, a powerhouse PR professional start to pay attention to things like intuition and uh, inner voices? Well, I had an odd assignment back before the year 2000. Do you remember Y2K? Oh, my. Yeah, uh, everybody absolutely. was scared to death that oh, the world panic. was going to end. The panic, yeah. I, I was yeah. actually involved in government at that point. Uh, and and I remember the, just a small municipal government. And I remember the, the, the city, uh, you know, panicking about the world. You know, the sky was falling, basically. Yeah, people were scared out of their minds about this, and, and I, I was working in a top PR firm in, in Manhattan. I, I would live there for about 15 years, and my client um, was erecting in Midtown a giant di- digital millennium clock. In other words, it was counting down the days and seconds and minutes to the year 2000. Um, he wanted national press for this clock. It was being erected at 34th Street in Midtown, and I'm like, how am I going to get press for this clock. You know, it was 1997. So I thought about it, and I came up with this idea of finding really highly gifted psychics and mediums to come to have a press conference with journalists and talk about what's going to happen in the year 2000. So I did my research. I wasn't going to be lazy and just get storefront psychics. I got really gifted people, about 24, and I sat them at at one of this uh, client's restaurants. He he owned a lot of franchise restaurants. So I set them speed dating style at this restaurants, each one at a different table. And 75 journalists showed up to this thing. Believe it or not, the Wall Street Journal came, uh, CBS Evening News, as well as like Inside Edition Entertainment Tonight and those types of media. And these 75 journalists could each have three minutes with each gifted person and then move on to the next. But they could ask um, world event questions, celebrity questions, personal questions. And the reason I mention this, this was a thousand days before the year 2000, back in April 97. It did the job. I mean, I got huge national and even global press for this event. But the guy from the Wall Street Journal came up to me at the end, and his face was just like ashen, and he was shaking. And he said, Marianne, I confess I came here to make fun of these people, but they were so accurate that I'm still in shock. And the other reason I mention it is because I ended up becoming friends with many of these very highly gifted people, and I still am. And over the years, it began to really annoy me as a communicator, as are you, a communicator, that these people were mis perceived or rather misperceived as they've all got to be fakes or charlatans or, you know, they're lying in some way, they're soothsayers, you know, something ridiculous. And these are people who, as children, many of them struggled with these abilities. Some were scared by these abilities. Um, Often many were bullied. Some were closeted until they were older. And they struggled with it, many, many of these people. And so I started to write their stories. I, I wrote profile chapters about these individuals. Everyone's different from from the next, and this began to be the start of the book because I wanted to change the way people viewed gifted people, okay? Um, All of us do have, like, I don't like when people say we're all psychic because we're not all 
psychic to that degree. It's like any other ability, like we all can sing, but how many people can <laughs> sing like Adele? The people in my book, there's 33 of them, are incredibly highly gifted people. They're also high integrity, which meant equally as much to me. And I also have their contact information at the end of the book so that people who are seeking uh, great people to get a reading from who are really, truly gifted, they can find them. But I started to write their stories to change this perception, and then ultimately that's a large part of the book, but there are many more chapters. It's not a psychic directory by any stretch. It tells their stories in like these seven- to nine-page profile chapters. Then I interview people like Dean Radin, Dr. Gary Schwartz, who are, I call them today's brave paranormal explorers. They study psychic ability and have for years. Um, And I I talk about how people with these gifts have been treated throughout history, et cetera. And I give six simple steps to being able to access your own inner voice. So that's kind of the heart of the book is the message that, yes, let's change the way we think about these very gifted people so that we can stop having this stereotype that it's silly or stupid to listen to your intuition. It is just a more sophisticated form of communication Um, and people really need to start paying attention. And I think that this pandemic has kind of humbled people and forced them inward a little bit, and I think that maybe it's a prime time for people to start paying attention. Because, um, J.V., we've all had those gut feelings, those hunches. Everyone can relate to that feeling. What we don't understand is that we're getting these, I call them kind of inspirations, pretty much every day. Um, on, on various levels, and it's not like you're going to hear a spooky voice or see a vision. It's just like a thought coming into your head. It's extremely basic, but it, they are very smart, and I, I call my guides the powers that be. It's just the entities I can't really see, but they're very funny. They're cool. Uh, they're, very, they're very smart, and, and we would be wise to kind of just start listening, and that's what this book is about. I have so many things I need to talk about based on your answer. Uh, but I, I, before we get into the to the nuts and bolts of this, uh, did anybody keep a scorecard on what uh, these very gifted people were saying in 1997 about the year 2000? I'm curious as to what they saw and, and how it evolved. Uh, did anybody do that? You know, I should put that. I'm, right, I'm starting the next book, believe it or not. It's ridiculous. But I should do that. And I, I have notes um, on that. Yeah, I mean, there are things like Madonna's going to have another child, which she did, and, you know, various world events. I, I think they were off on one or two things here and there. I think the IRS was supposed to be disbanded. Or Again, each individual person had their own predictions. Um, and, again, they could ask celebrity questions, world event, et cetera. So, yeah, I think I'll, I'll compile that. But many things were... Upset, and that that came true. And actually, many of the people in my book told me that there would be something happening in 2020. Now, this wasn't in 1997. This more recently, years before uh, 2020, that would change the way humanity uh, viewed human consciousness, raise our awareness, and basically kind of change the way we think. And, and help to heal the planet. Now, they didn't know if it was a virus. They didn't say virus, maybe a terrorist attack. Nobody knew what it was. But, yeah, oh, have I been told things? Um, yes, and, and they've, they've come to pass often. I'm not big on predictions because in, in that world of my guides, whatever, there, time doesn't exist. So yeah. when people have predictions, it, it's, 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 it's suspect in a way. I don't really put a lot of weight on it. But the general direction of the planet... I did have people tell me that Donald Trump was going to be president back in the early part of 2015 when he wasn't even on the radar. And um, not to get political, I I wasn't quite sure I wanted to hear that. (laughs) But 
<laughs> whatever it is what it is so yes um predictions are just part of it i mean a lot of it is just getting gut feelings about oh if you're going to move or take a different job or the direction of your own life um or or the larger direction of the planet so scorecards oftentimes you're getting day-to-day inspirations and ideas that kind of help you on that day as far as where the planet's headed i've heard some wonderful things that are supposed to happen, but we're supposed to go through a little more pain before we get there. That's as much as I can tell you right now. I've had a lot of uh, psychics or people with psychic sensitivities on the program, and we've done some predictions, you know, we've done a lot of readings for listeners, that kind of thing. And one of the things the psychics will always tell me, particularly the good ones, they'll say, you know, whenever we talk about the future, one of the things you have to remember is that we all have free will. And getting, yep. getting whatever information I might give you may change the course of your future because you have free will. So that's an important important part of this. Um, Marianne, what were your thoughts about psychics and these all of these ideas before that Millennium Festival, before you met these very, very uh, skilled and uh, sensitive people and developed those friendships? Did you have any opinions prior to that? Well, I think I was like almost everybody else. I mean... Um... I was raised Catholic, so I, I kind of believed in prayer, and you're, you're talking to entities you can't really see, so I had that perspective. But basically, no. I will tell you, though, very interestingly, one of the people in my book of the 33 people is named Nancy Meyer. She's from the Pennsylvania area where I live now. And I was in my 20s. I was on a TV show. I was doing PR for a big Halloween event called Fright Night. And she was in the green room. She was the psychic who was going to be, you know, a separate guest for me. And so I chatted with her, and I took her card. About six months later, I got a job offer. I was living in Pittsburgh, which I live now. I got a job offer from a big PR firm based in Pittsburgh called Ketchum. They wanted me, though, to move to the New York office. I did not want to leave Pennsylvania and go to New York City. I mean, it's a huge deal. So I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to take the job, go to New York for six months, and then move back to the Pittsburgh office, you know, transfer. So I found this psychic's card, Nancy's card, and I thought, I'm going to go get a reading. I'd never had one before. So I drove to where she lived, which I have to laugh now because you don't have to actually physically be in the same room with a gifted person. I, I, many of the people I've interviewed I've never even met. Right. Some live in Australia or Germany. So anyway, but I drove to Nancy's house, and I sat across from her kind of at a distance um, in her living room, and she starts to read me, and I tell her my plan of, you know, moving, taking that job for six months. And she looked dead at me, squarely at me, and said, Marianne, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you're going to be in New York for several years. And my heart just dropped. And I did not like hearing that at all. <laughs> and we still laugh about it to this day because I ended up living in New York for 14, close to 15 years. Um, I did fly back to Pennsylvania all the time, but we laughed because, and now I, I still know her after all these years, but she was my first psychic experience. And quite frankly, I was scared to death. So I do have that perspective of the layperson who's never had a reading, who's n- never known. I mean, now most of my friends are either journalists or gifted people, um, most of my friends. So it, it, there's nothing scary about it. I think the media loves to portray anything to do with this in a scary way, the haunting of this. The, so, you know, it's all this dark energy when, in fact, it's quite the opposite. It's, it's like illumination. You know, it's light shining from the thing. So um, the media loves that, though. It, it boosts their ratings, but I, I kind of am waiting for them to turn the corner on this. 
I it's think, been a while. Yeah, no, I think um, I think that's a really great observation. Um, there are a couple things. Uh, one is that there are some charlatans in this particular, mm-hmm. we'll call mm-hmm. it a business or a line of work or whatever you want to term it as. Um, so that gives a lot of people a bad name. But the other thing is that I think that we have seen a changing of an, of attitudes. Uh, I think some of the reality television programs, one that I was involved with, Ghost Hunters, started to allow people to talk about ghosts in a way they never had spoken about ghosts before. You know, instead of uh, doing it in the corner of the room before dinner, you actually had the conversation at the dinner table itself. Um, and I think uh, psychic uh, phenomena and psychic people uh, have found a bit of a new respect because of some of these uh, reality television programs that have introduced the ideas and the people to the public. Have you noticed any difference? I think in the 20 plus years that I did that first event, it's changed enormously. And it's interesting you mentioned ghost hunters because um, one of the people in my book, her name is Kelly White. She's out of Beverly Hills. Uh, her best friend, she said, you have to talk to my best friend. Well, who is her best friend? James Von Prague, uh. who... <laughs> of course, has been, like, carrying the torch as a medium for close to 40 years. That's right. And, and I spoke with James. He actually uh, gave me a quote for the cover of my this book. But rec- he just interviewed me last week on his uh, podcast. Um, he was in, a producer of The Ghost Whisper. Do you remember that show? I sure with do. Jennifer Love Hewitt? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And he said he had to kind of fight tooth and nail that they always wanted to end the show, like, with dark kind of murderous kind of things. And he said, no, it, there has to be a positive resolution because that's what really happens. So they people have fought tooth and nail to try to change this perception over the years, and I think that um, we, we have advanced, and I was told we would advance so we would finally start to embrace all of this. You're right about the charlatans. I want to mention this. I, I actually might put this chapter in my next book. I took it out of this book, but there's a chapter I wrote about three groups of psychic uh, people with psychic ability or claim to have it. The one is um, fakes and charlatans. Now, that's, again, a very small minority, and often there's corporations involved in this. Actual individuals, people think people just go out and hang a shingle and say, I'm a psychic so I can take your money. I've really not seen that too frequently. The middle group is the largest group, and they're what I call the mediocre, um, well-meaning but mediocre. In other words, they're not out to take your money. They're not fakes. They're genuinely reading you. They genuinely care. But what they're picking up on in a reading is your hopes and dreams, your fears, your aura, your immediate you know, aura around you. And they're going to be telling you things that, oh, yeah, maybe I'll get that job or I'll get back together with that boyfriend or whatever. The people that are in my book are this other very rare group, but there's a lot of them actually out there called um, this extremely gifted people. What they're doing that's different in a reading is they're getting the information from the pure source. So, like, I didn't want to hear I was going to be living in New York City, very expensive New York City for a long time. That's what she picked up because as much as my brain was thinking I have this plan, a mediocre person would have would have said, oh, you're going to return to Pittsburgh immediately. You know, you're just going to work there for a little bit in New York. She knew exactly that that wasn't going to be the case. And in fact, Nancy predicted that I would write, start writing books about five years before I even did that event that I mentioned. So, yeah, the people that are getting it from the true source—they're—they're uh, they're highly gifted. They're—they're they're rare, though. They're—they're they're super talented, and that's again who I have in this book. And people can find them um, because of the contact info if they like. When you address these concepts in the book, and even in your conversations with the people that you talk to for the book, do you differentiate between psychic abilities and intuition, or is it one of the same? 
it's one and the same. Um, I don't like the P word as much anymore, it, it, even as a PR person. I mean, uh, it's such a loaded word. It has such baggage that I try to avoid it. Um, but it is, you know, I use, int- I use intuition as a word or intuitives. Um, but psychic ability and mediumship ability are very different. Now, some of the people in my book are strictly psychic, some are strictly medium. Many are both. And it just depends on the person's particular bent or gift. So, yeah, intuition is basically we're like satellite dishes. In a way, we can receive this information. We get the gut feeling. Often the gut feeling comes when our rational mind is saying, go left, but our our gut feeling is saying, go right. And we're like, we, we notice it. We're like, why do I keep feeling that I need to go the other way when my rational mind is pointing me in the other direction? That's when it's kind of like alarm bells are ringing. But in the regular day, we are getting these inspirations. Um, we just don't necessarily hear it that way. Or worse yet, our ego is so large that we just think, oh, I'm just so brilliant. I came up with this idea. And that's one of my six simple steps and one of the most important things. All of us can access this divine guidance, divine wisdom, whatever, but the one caveat is something that most people, especially in our country, cannot achieve, which is take your ego down a couple pegs, be humble, and just listen. Because if we're clouding everything with our own like sense of brilliance, we're not going to understand that we're being helped and inspired in maybe a different direction than our rational mind is thinking. So that's intuition, pretty much. You had, uh, in, in the first answer you gave me, in our, and we started our conversation tonight, you said these these this intuition is basic. When you use the word basic, do you mean primal? Is it something that's innate, or is it something that's spiritual? Where does this intuition come from? What's the source, and how does it, I guess, where did it start? Is it something we've learned, or is it something that's innate? I think it's innate. Um, I think that we've built up a lot of walls around it because of the negative stereotypes of gifted people and and psychic ability and all that. Um, And I understand that. I mean, I understand that negative connotation. That's one of the reasons that this book was written and, and other books have been written is to try to change that perception. But basically, I think that people all have this ability, and I want to give a distinction here. By divine, I don't mean anything religious. I don't care what religion you are if you are religious at all, all of this transcends religion as we know it. And in fact, Pew, P-E-W Research, the Pew Research Group, found that the fastest growing group of individuals are identifies what's called spiritual but not religious. They've turned away from traditional religion, maybe because of the sexual abuse scandals, I'm not sure, but they are now but still seeking and yearning for that spiritual connection. And that's a group that I'm really trying to shine that light on for, that it's right at your fingertips. And it, it doesn't necessarily, you don't have to be in a building or a, a temple or anything to to um, grasp it. It's right there. And again, it, it pretty much the messages that I have gotten are very positive and extremely creative. Sometimes I joke that, you know, I have collaborators here on this plane, all of the people in my book, scientists, people like yourself, and then, but I have collaborators on that plane too. And I used to joke that I feel like I have access to the writer's room at Saturday Night Live because some of the things that they send to me, and, and oftentimes, like I'll wake up at five in the morning and have to write something down, or they get me when I'm in the shower or whatever, um, are really brilliant 
thoughts. And I'm like, whoa, that's pretty cool. Like the cover of my book, it's a simple white cover with a gold bow, and it's called The Gift Within Us. It looks like a gift. I did not want a new agey looking cover for the reasons we've been talking about. It's very stereotype. Um, but I'd be lying if I said that I just brilliantly dreamed that up myself. I mean, I kind of recognize that that inspiration came from my collaborators on that other plane. You had used the word uh, mother's, well, phrase, mother's intuition when we first started talking. Women's, women's, women's intuition. intuition when we first started talking. Um, yeah. Is there a gender uh, difference here? Is this something that's more accessible to uh, women rather than men? Or is that just a, just a, a phrase that people use and there's no real science behind it? I'd say a good number of the people in my book happen to be guys that that are gifted. I think just in general, releasing your ego and being open to receiving this information, these inspirations, and recognizing it's not all coming from our own rational mind, um, I think that women tend to be a little bit more able to do that than men. Stereotypically, now I think guys, I think it's changed and changing fast. And some of our leaders of captains of industry, of, of the the Internet and Apple, et cetera, some of these brilliant thinkers are actually people that own up to the fact that they're getting these inspirations and they have this sense to listen to it. So, yeah, a lot of very successful people will privately tell you that they have been guided this way, that they've got some of their most brilliant ideas just from listening to this inner voice. Are we taught as kids to ignore this? Is this some one of those things that we are taught to uh, either uh, disregard or completely ignore? And uh, if so, is are there ways that we can change our approach to this with children that'll help us as adults understand it better? That's a really great question. I have to tell you, though, children are naturally open and already receiving this information. So it's not that we're taught as kids not to do it. I think that when we grow up, if we look around us, um, there's such um, a huge uh, emphasis on developing, you know, our, our, our academia, doing well in school, and and or depending on if you're raised in a certain religion, maybe going that way, um, but not so much developing your own intuitive ability. Um, I mean, when I grew up, my mom was into Jean Dixon, which I think oh, was. Yeah. An, I'm writing a chapter for my next book about the pioneers of this whole thing, of which James von Prague is a huge part. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was considered odd back then. Uh, but when you think about it, look what we've been going through with George Floyd and also LGBTQ community. I mean, our consciousness is being evolving fast right now to get us out of these old stereotypes we've had about various groups of people and ways of thinking. And I think intuition falls into that category as well. Some people's introduction to psychic ideas and phenomena might be from like the 1-900 psychic hotline or something, you know, these gimmicky things, which is not what we're talking about here tonight. We're talking about something far more serious. And But, but the overriding question might be, how can this help us? Why can this be good for us to understand these things? If you've ever worked in a company or with a group of, of other individuals in your maybe your your corporation, um, sometimes when you have a team of people, ideas come in that are really cool that maybe you didn't think about. And this is nothing more than really kind of that. 
we have this team of collaborators that we can't necessarily see, but have some brilliant and wise ideas that we would be, you know, wise to listen to. Um, and I think that that's kind of the point. We all think that we're just here on our own, um, especially now that people with the virus have been having to work from home. I hear complaints that when I've worked from home for quite a while by choice, but I worked in big corporations as well, and some people can't handle working on their own. They miss the interaction with others. Well, there's this whole amazing realm of interaction that you can get just by listening to your inner voice and some really brilliant thoughts and ideas. Um, and there's no office politics. <laughs> Nobody's trying to stab you in the back. Um, it's it's people that are energies that are kind of on your side that are rooting for you. So I, I don't think there's a downside to it. And what what is the source of this? You've referred to it a number of times. You've mentioned spirituality. You said not religion. But what is the ultimate source of this and of those collaborators on the other side? I'm a human, so human beings are wiped clean when we come here. Life is, you've heard this before probably, but basically a school um, where we go through some great times and hard times, and, and that's how our souls grow. Um, I believe that the energies and the entities that we cannot see as human beings that are on our side, that have our back, are, you know, we could call them our guides, angels, our higher self, the greater good, God, whatever way you want to define it. I, I personally believe it's a collaboration of energies. But, um, Basically, why discount that? Why not tap into that? Why not? I, I don't use the word idea much anymore in my life. I, I use the word inspiration more because I realize that, yes, while I might decide I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, there are many times that I take a path or go some way that I didn't really think of myself. I, I recognize through humility that, oh, wow, the title of my book and the bow on the book I think I got it from them. Cool. That's great. Um, and if you're just caught up in your own world and, and you're alone and you're, you're not collaborating with this wonderful resource that we have, I think you're kind of selling yourself short. Let's talk about ego. Ego is something that uh, can be an enemy to a lot of things we try to do in our lives. Um, there are some advantages to it in, in the right circumstances, but in a lot of ways, it can actually prevent us from doing things uh, to help ourselves. So how does ego interfere with this process? You know, when our current pope um, came into the office, I remember he said something that really struck me. He said like he wanted to do good for the world, et cetera, and he said, and I have the ambition and humility to make that happen. And I thought, wow, I've never heard those two words put together like that. Ambition and humility? How can that be? I mean, ambition is like you're a railroad just forcing your way down the street. Um, but coupled with humility, that's a very powerful thing. And by humility, I don't mean about giving away your power. It, ego, I've worked with many celebrities throughout my PR career, and ego can be a real killer um, many of the, some of the celebrities are absolutely fantastic individuals personally, but for many, um, there's been a struggle with the ego. And sometimes ego gets the better of you, especially if you're like, wow, I'm so great. Suddenly things kind of start to fall apart sometimes. So I don't know, it's a personal decision, but I, edging God out is the thing with ego. People call it edging God out. 
Um, I think ego can be a real detriment. And unfortunately, with reality TV and all of these things, ego uh, and how great we are has become kind of our mark. Oh, wow, this is society is all about how great I am. No, you have more power if you if you work with a team, if you relinquish uh, your own ego a little bit and lighten up, basically. It's not all about how wonderful you are. Just listen, and that's one of the main um, tenets of this book is just recognize that some of these brilliant thoughts you're getting are there to help you, and maybe it's not all coming from your own rational brain. So does the ego interfere with your ability to maybe hear, for lack of a better word, these 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 other messages or these ideas, or does it make you discount them once you've heard them? Well, let's take it into the real world. If you're in, again, that corporate team or whatever, and you're all about yourself and how great you, you are and your ego, you're going to be less likely to take advice or information or creative ideas from other people, correct? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of the same. Hmm. I, I mean, really, there's it, nothing, you know, you don't have to just stop having any ego, but just be open-minded about the fact that we receive information from a variety of sources, be it on here or on that plane. And I think a lot of people are just simply not aware of the fact that we have access to this amazing resource of this great wisdom and and, and brilliance um, that, frankly, fuel a lot of the wonderful creative endeavors and, and corporate endeavors even that people have done over the years. Um, and some of the most successful people will tell you that point blank. So, yeah, I wouldn't uh, just be all about me and everything because you're just only going to get that far. Your gas is going to run out. You mentioned that uh, the idea that everybody has these abilities is not something that you completely on board with. You say it's like kind of like singing where, you know, everybody can sing to a degree, but some people sing like Adele sings and some people sing mm-hmm. like JV sings, and it's a complete disparity. Um <laughs> So if that's the case, can people work to develop their own intuitive ability? Is is it something that, that is possible and is it easy to do? You know, I was told by a couple people, this book reaches, my book reaches a lot of people have no idea about their own intuitive ability, but there's a whole subsection of people who are seeking, who actively are going into New Age bookstores and reading about this that I'm going to address in my next book. And yes, what they're doing is they're reading about it, they're seeking, they're learning. Um, And I, I think that, yes, if you want to explore this, there's many, many great resources that you can learn. Also, James von Prague, who I just um, had interview me last week, has this whole school of mystical arts that he does these various courses, and it really is to develop people's psychic ability and intuitive ability to a greater degree. I mean, like any other skill or talent, if you really go into it deeper and deeper and deeper and learn more about it, of course it's going to expand and it's going to be honed. But again, a lot of the people in my book didn't really go that route. Um, Some did, but many were just inundated with information as young children, be it mediumship, seeing grandpa in the corner, or just knowing uh, the lady in the store that's in the line next to you is being beaten by her husband. Go tell her she should leave that man. I mean, this is what Paul Asdig, who's from Australia, um, told me when he was like six, he would go up to strangers in stores because his guide said, you need to help them get out of the bad situation. So these are very young children that have no idea. They haven't been in any classes, and they have to learn how to de- 
to hone these abilities on their own. So it, it runs the gamut. You don't have to go into a class to develop these abilities. You might just simply want to recognize um, that. And even for the rest of us who are just regular folk, we are all getting those inspirations and intuitive hunches all the time. Just recognize and develop that muscle like I did to to hear it. I will tell you, I am probably the worst meditator out there. I'm a white knuckler. Um, in order to reach me, I used to laugh that they'd have to hit me over the head with a rubber mallet or they'd get me early in the morning as I was waking or in the shower. I've learned to develop that muscle where I kind of, oh, wow, okay, I'm getting that inspiration. Thank you. That's really great. Or even better yet, I ask for help. Like if I'm at a crossroads, I'm like, you know, the old adage, ask and you shall receive. That sounds very religious. But basically, all of us have come to places where we just don't know which way to go. And the thing that I've learned is just to say, okay, can you help me here? Where should I go? Like, I had an agent for this book, lovely person, wonderful. But we had to part ways because she had a lot of personal health issues and other issues, and she just couldn't spend time doing any agent work. So I moved on. And I thought, well, where am I going to go now? And I asked, and then like two days later, I got my new agent. Now, it doesn't always work so perfectly, but you need to understand that you can ask and should ask for help and guidance, and you'll get interesting um, doors will open for you that you may not have seen before. The heart of the book is the 33 profiles and personal stories of some very highly gifted intuitives. These are people that you were talking about in the beginning of our discussion, psychics and mediums both. Why does it, why is it important for you to tell these stories? And uh, why do you think it's important for the reader to hear them? Again, we have this weird um, manufactured version and view of psychic and intuitive ability that has been portrayed in the media and, you know, entertainment. And if we get to know some of these people just on their own level as individuals, regular folk who just happen to be highly gifted, we might put our you know, let our arms go down and just go, wow, okay, now I understand. It's not this thing that only, like, the psychic of the day who's on the local talk show, and I, I won't name names, but we all know who they are that have best-selling books, and they're the psychic of the day, the big famous psychic. There are many, many more people that are highly gifted and even meet in the medium level of giftedness that are out there. And as we said, all of us to some degree have access to these this amazing divine inspiration. We just have to be open to listening to it. So, yeah, I think that basically the media and the entertainment industry has kind of done a number on how we view these abilities and made us all feel that, oh, gosh, we can't do that. You know, that's only for a few celebrity psychics or, you know, um, and some of these <laughs> these superpower movies. I mean, you also think, well, I don't have these superpowers. Well, right. no, everyone everyone has access to this wisdom and guidance. We just have to be open to listening to that and recognizing it. The, um, the 33 people that you profiled, they're the, again, to go back to the singing analogy, they're the Adels of this world. Mm-hmm. Did you notice any character traits or any uh, similarities between them that might help explain why they receive these gifts a little more intensely than the rest of us who don't feel like we have any of these sensitivities? You know, again, a very good question. Um, I would say that one thread, common thread that runs through all of them is that they are all 
humble enough and without ego to receive the information and to then help their clients with whatever they need to know. As far as being gifted, I can no longer tell you how much more these people are gifted than somebody who's a great pianist or a great jazz guitarist or singer or whatever, writer. I mean, it's a it's a talent, it's a gift like anything else. And why some people have it and others don't to that degree, I guess that's their own soul contract. Like maybe the, that's part of who they are. You know, we all have our talents and skills. I mean, you're a, a broadcaster. Not everyone can do what you do. Um, so, no, I don't think it's it's a random thing. I think it's a it's a personal thing for each soul that's in this book. I can tell you, though, talking to all of them, and their stories are quite different, they all had to personally struggle when they discovered that they had these gifts and develop their own kind of language with their guides, etc., to to be able to utilize it to help others. And some people in my book, about three or four, came to it in their late 40s. One woman, Suzanne Giesman, was a naval commander for her whole career. She was on Air Force One when 9-11 hit. I mean, she's amazing, but she had no knowledge of any mediumship ability. And then her daughter, her husband's um, daughter, her daughter-in-law, was struck by lightning and killed. She was pregnant, too, when she was walking in Europe one day, and then suddenly Suzanne was flooded with these abilities. Robert Hansen, who's an amazing medium, he didn't develop these abilities till he was in his mid-40s, and he comes from a family of cops. And his policemen, brothers, and father were like, what in the world <laughs> are you doing? What's happened to you? And it just kind of happened. Now, he didn't have a traumatic event necessarily, but... Some of the people came to this later in life. Um, so, yeah, and it's, just, it's a blessing. I won't say a curse because it's a blessing, but, again, don't forget, a lot of these people were uh, bullied for having these abilities. Some were closeted. Uh, I have one guy in my book, Eddie Connor, who grew up in the South, and he was gay, and he said he would be beaten up regularly for being gay. But he, when he came out as psychic, it was a thousand times worse. So oh, wow. it's... You have to be kind of brave to come out in in this way, especially if you're extremely gifted. What about the differences between someone who would be considered a psychic and someone who would be considered a medium? Do you interchange those words? Do the people that you worked with for the book interchange those words, or are they two very dis different disciplines? Again, there are people, and many of the people in my book have both abilities. Um, there are people that are only mediums and people that are only psychic. James von Prague told me that the, the energy of a medium is a higher energy. I'm not sure exactly what that means. He just said this last week. But both are different. One will connect you with your deceased loved ones. And I've had experiences where my mother, who died a few years before my daughter was even born, knew um, exactly what my daughter's room looked like could describe the fact that there were stars, glow-in-the-dark stars on the ceiling and beautiful um, butterfly um, designs above her headboard and just knew everything and also knew my daughter's middle name was named after her, Marie. Um, but other people who are very psychic might not see any of that. Some of the people who are very psychic might be able to tell me what's going to be happening 
I mean, many people told me you're writing another book and then there's going to be another book. And I mean, I just don't even go there, but they'll be able to tell you what's happening in the future. So some people have both abilities. Some only are psychic and some are mediums. The energy is quite different. Um, this, the, the mediumship ability is very specific to people who've passed on and um, are communicating with, with them, whereas the psychic ability is much more about, you know, your soul, your life, your past lives, and your future. Are, are the brave, new ex- or brave paranormal explorers that you referenced earlier in our discussion part mm-hmm. of these 33 that you write about, or are they a separate group? No, no. Those, uh, I, I target three gentlemen who are scientists, um, who have done enormous amounts of research all of their career on what's called PSI, PSI, psychic ability, intuitive ability, much to the consternation of their colleagues. In the scientific community, you are ostracized if you study such things as psychic ability. And Dr. Dean Radin, Dr. Gary Schwartz, and Russell Tark are three people that I highlight in, in my book as being brave paranormal explorers because they have spent their careers doing really important research on, on these, um, these abilities. And, you know, other people throughout history have studied these things, Carl Jung, for example, and, and some others. Um, even though it's not been a – like as Dean Radin will say, if you want to get tenure – at your university, don't study psychic ability. (laughs) It's not not widely considered a plus. However, when they're at conferences, the other scientists who put down all of this stuff will come up to them privately and say, you know, I had this experience and that experience and this psychic experience. And so, again, it's another taboo that needs to be broken down and stereotype that needs to be changed. Well, once again, I'll go back to my experience uh, working on ghost hunters. You know, we would have people frequently come up to us and say, oh, I don't believe any of that. But when I was 10 years old, <laughs> my grandfather stood at the end of my bed after he passed away. Yeah, so everybody has those, that experience, but for some reason they want to deny it. They want to deny them. And uh, I'm not sure I understand. There's got to be a word for that phenomenon where you, you have your own experience, yet you're going to deny the existence of it. I think it's like any other prejudice about any other group. We just need to raise awareness, which is what this book is partially about. Um, I think if anybody experiences a psychic reading with a really gifted person, like I have in my book, your mind will change. I mean, somebody said to me, you know, well, should these people charge? Well, my goodness, they spend their whole waking day doing this work. But also, when you think about it, if you have a reading from a really gifted person, it can wipe away two years of therapy appointments. <laughs> um, they can kind of clear out the cobwebs. And, you know, I, I, I think that what you said is true. I think those, those are the old ways of thinking, though, as far as people coming up and saying, gee, I'm putting this down, but I really have had these experiences. We've, we're in a new uh, phase of consciousness. Human consciousness is being raised on so many levels right now. It's kind of a fun time to be alive. It's a tough time to be alive, but I just love seeing how people are, their awareness is raised so much. Can you imagine even 20 years ago how we thought about all sorts of different groups? Um, oh, yeah. It's changed dramatically. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the afterlife and this other side, which is what mm. we're obviously connecting to when we're doing uh many of these things. What do we know about it? What did, what did you learn from these conversations with the folks that you uh, included in the book? Well, it's, 
interesting because my mother came through. Now, my both of my parents passed on, but neither tragically. They were both sick, and I was quite frankly relieved when they passed because I and, and was this before I wrote the book. Uh, I guess I was in the process of writing it, but they were both in pain, and, and they both moved on, and I felt like it was a graduation. I felt pleased for them, and so my mom has come through a number of times and said, you know what? I love it. I'm having such fun. Your dad and I are playing pinochle, of all things, with our friends, and I have I look like I'm 32, and I have a little tiny waist, and I don't have any pain, and my mom, when she was older, had um, sciatica, and she was overweight and had COPD. And, you know, it's, it sounds like a very fun existence. <laughs> um, that's kind of my mom's voice. But, yeah, I've, I feel that what I've learned from this is that uh, it, it's all good. And I had one friend of my husband's read the book, and she called me and said, you know what, I'm a lapsed Catholic because of the sex abuse scandals. Um, my faith just kind of went down the tubes. And of course, I haven't been to church and I don't, you know, care about that anymore. But she said, after I read this book, my faith returned and my feelings about the afterlife are completely positive now. And I'm like, ooh, I'm really thrilled that you got that from this book because um, I love hearing that kind of feedback. But if, if, if it can help restore people's faith, it's not about faith in a religious sense. It's more about understanding that there is good and I was just talking to somebody today, and they were saying there's a lot of bad things happening in the world, but the positive things and the, the energy from from good is really stronger. Sorry, in the fight against good against evil, ultimately, maybe I'm an optimist, but I and other people agree with me that the, the positive energy wins, ultimately. But that doesn't mean we don't have to go through some struggles, which we're doing now. I love the fact that you said your mother uh, communicated that they were playing Pinochle, one of my favorite games, by the way. It's a lost game in many respects, but I love playing. I used to play Pinochle with my mom and dad and my grandparents all the time. Love that game. Um, but did you say these that your mom and dad were channeling or coming to you through you? Were you communicating with them? No, no. When I was interviewing people for okay. this book, um, gotcha. I, I did two interviews. I would get a reading, which I would tape. And then about a week later, I would interview them about their lives, which I would also tape and transcribe for their chapter. But, um, no, during the readings, I, I would get these, this information from them. And, you know, it's, it's amazing. They're, they're, people, you know, think, are they, like, standing there watching us in the shower? And are they thinking, no, their energies move on, but yet they still know what's happening here. So it's, I mean, if you saw the book, there's one chapter called My Memory of Heaven Before I Was Born. I have a very distinct memory, which I will not go into a long story about here, but of being there before I came here. And there was this brilliant, brilliant white light um, outside of this airplane hangar thing that I was walking into. And I was well aware that I was on my way to coming here. And it was like I was nervous and scared, but also thrilled and anticipating like the first day of school. And I was aware of the fact that I was coming here to do things, also to grow my soul, but also that I was going to be achieving some interesting things. So I do, I do feel 
as humans, again, we are wiped clean. We do not have a clue about so many things. But I've had glimpses of, of these, thanks to this book as well and thanks to writing it, that just make me feel very comfortable and um, just give me a lot of, of inspiration about, you know, what we're going to achieve. We are going through one of the most difficult times right now on the planet. And I think we all feel it, don't you think so? No question. Absolutely no it, question about that. When we think about Y2K, that was like a walk in the park compared to what we're dealing with. And um, again, there may be more coming down the pike, um, not doom and gloom. I think I think that the flower is opening and good things are coming pretty fast soon. I mean, things are happening very quickly, but our our awareness and the consciousness being raised is really kind of a big part of that. So I think it's going to happen regardless of certain people that are not open to opening up. I think it's I think the collective consciousness is being raised as we speak. Your um quote unquote uh memory of heaven before you were born sounds a lot like the same experience that people would have or people have ex- intimated as uh, what we would call a near death or out of body experience. Very very similar, but you had years prior to birth. I thought it was a dream I had as a child, but it just kept with me. And basically, I'll just I'll just tell you, I remember walking into this, you know, what an airplane hangar looks like. And we were, it's like a giant garage door was open. And I was walking, holding the hand of this impossibly tall being, a yes, of course, wearing a white robe with a rope belt. I know it sounds so hackneyed, but, and I'm in a line of other tiny soul beings, little toddler type children, ahead of me, holding the hands of their impossibly tall beings. And I looked behind me, and the light outside of this hangar was just this enormous, brilliant light. And I realized that my loved ones that I cared about were all there, but I was on this journey. And so as each being moved up, they would put their little tiny soul beings on this, sounds crazy again, but long, translucent slide. And when it was my turn... My being, you know, put me on the slide. And then the next memory I have was being in one of those strollers, like the old-fashioned type that's like a bed. It's like flat, Mm -hmm. not like the, you know, the seat types we have now. It's just just like a flat stroller where you're laying on your back. Looking up at the face of my my beautiful mother with the clouds and the the sky ahead of me, and I was born in June, and this was the summer, and I, I was cuddled up in my blankets, and... I don't know. I, I thought it was a dream. I tried to discount it, but I read about things like this, and apparently you can have these prescient um, visions of, of life before you came here. So it was like the first day of school. I was like, wow, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> so who is knows? That, is that uh, similar, or do you, do you ha- see any connection uh, with that experience to what people might uh, call past life uh, experiences and, and, and being able to recall through past life regression? Possibly. Um, I've had a couple people read me and tell me about past lives, and that's a whole nother deal. It's huge um, that I, I don't feel I can get into because I'm not well-versed on it. I do believe in past lives. I, I do believe that we kind of elect to deal with some of the situations in this life that we were meant to deal with. For example, I had somebody tell me that when we come into this life, maybe we talked to one of, on the other side, we talked to one of our loved ones and said, hey, 
when I get born this time, can you be my mother that abandons me? Because I need to go through that experience. And the other person's like, no, I don't want to do that to you. But they're like, come on, you know, I have to experience this next life. And so they would come in and be the mother that abandons them, and they would live through that. So I'd, that's all I know about it. I don't know a ton about it. I do believe in all of that. Um, I kind of think that I probably knew I was coming into this life to do certain things. But, again, it's a whole other topic that uh, I'm not well-versed on. Sorry. I'm sure you've had people on the show that can speak better about that than I can. Yeah, yeah we have had a lot of people. I certainly am not an expert on it either. Um, but I find it interesting if you remember something before being born, it's got to be a similar uh, process or connection either way. But let's talk a little bit more about um, the 33 uh, people that you discuss or you, you interviewed and you wrote the book about. Um, as you were uh, going through these conversations, um, did you find that um, that the folks – that you were talking to all kind of came from the same place. I mean, I'm assuming that there's a real, almost a philanthropic uh, juice that's running through all of them in an effort to help people because they all seem like they really want to help people. I have to say not quite the contrary, but I think that a lot of them struggled. Oh, really? And yeah, I think that if you read the chapters, you'll see that some of them as young children were, I mean, even their own parents sometimes beat them up. I mean, it's not a walk in the park. Um, however, the people that I have in my book who are just there, they're all there to help people, and they really get, they're definitely filling a role that um, cannot be filled anywhere else. So, yes, it's an amazing energy-draining experience. That's why they can only read a few people a day. I had one person that was recommended to me that wanted to be in the book, and we started our reading, and after maybe four or five minutes, nothing but nothing made sense. Nothing was clicking. And we both stopped and took a breath, and she said, it's not working, is it? I said, no. And she said, you know what? I've been reading 14 to 15 people a day because Uh my husband lost his job. Mm. You cannot – I mean, I'm sorry – just as so much energy that's being expended that as much as um, she wanted to help and she wanted to do it, 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 you burn out. So, yeah, I think a lot of these people are really good people. I, I know that everyone in my book is coming from the right place. Um, and basically, yeah, I think that they're, they're there to help. And I think that ultimately you, you can, I turn some of these people on to each other. I say, look, you, you're healing everybody. Listen, you need to get a reading from somebody else. So they'll do a trade, and I connect them. But, um, yeah, I think that their their stories are quite different, but I think that a lot of them are coming from the right place. Certainly they're very aware of the fact that we have this access to this divine wisdom, which I kind of want everyone to understand that we have, because that level – it's like, do you want to own a cell phone – Yes, we all want the cell phone. We all want the iPhone. So maybe people will start to clamor to want to get in tune with these, you know, intuitive gifts. Do you think that it was uh, random or being in the right place at the right time that led you on the path to writing this book, or was there something else at play? I don't know. I think it's completely organic. Um, I think that I, in fact... I'm a very good PR person, and right now I'm in the mode of having to promote my book. 
And I love uh, journalists and producers and radio folk and, you know, newspaper writers, and they're all my friends. And I think that having those skill set is really helping to get the word out. So I don't think it's by chance. But, um, you know, I, I think also with the work that you do and others, uh, I'm writing a chapter actually about radio shows that cover these issues for the next book because the messages you impart are so important for people to understand. And unfortunately, mainstream media doesn't really cover these topics too much. I'm hoping that changes. I'm talking to mainstream media as well, although you're on a mainstream channel. um, There are many podcasts that are not. So it needs to be taken seriously, and I think that there's an audience for it now that like there never was before. What do you think, and this is completely off topic, but it's related to what you just said. What do you think of some of our, what we would call our major tech companies, um, starting to influence a little bit of their own uh, version of censorship on some of these conversations? I mean, I know that one of the things are YouTube videos, for example. If we mention uh, Bigfoot or we mention Flat Earth or we mention witchcraft, our our videos get uh, throttled a bit um, because YouTube doesn't like them. What do you think of that idea? Not good, and it's being called out more and more. And I think um, that kind of censorship is just <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, come on, it's just wrong. It is. I mean, I, I can understand if it's if it's vulgar or pornographic or something. You know, that might be. Or, or even hate speech or whatever. But these are ideas that are just, you know, they're, they're not harming anyone, in my opinion. And if you don't, if you're not interested, you don't have to watch or listen or whatever. You can just move on. Um, so I don't understand it. But Well, I'm surprised that you're getting that only because many of the people that I've done interviews with are on YouTube and they're covering these topics. I mean, witchcraft, magic, various things... <laughs> I just don't see where you – I mean, yes, if it's hate speech, racist, right. um, all that's bad. But that this crosses the line to me. So, yeah, or, or so we, and we, we do a lot of discussions about conspiracy ideas here too. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, we I, conspiracy theory itself has gotten a bad connotation. Some of these quote-unquote conspiracy theories have really opened up uh, some doors and – revealed some truths, even if they weren't completely accurate. So having the discussion, I don't think, is harmful. I think the discussion is actually helpful, regardless of which side of the argument you're on. And many mainstream media outlets are going to be talking about those things. It's the whole discussion of, you know, the fake news and all of that. Right. Um, no, I, I think it's it bears some investigation, but this kind of clamping down on certain topics is is not right. And I think that what you guys are doing are very valuable um, discussions that need to be aired. I have um, John O'Connor coming on the program next week, and he uh, was the attorney for the gentleman identified as Deep Throat from the Watergate scandal. Mm -hmm. And can you imagine if back at that point they said, oh, I'm sorry, we're not going to, you know, your message isn't going to be heard because this sounds like a big conspiracy theory and therefore we're going to shut you down. Um, You know, we never would have gotten to the bottom of that. So it's, 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 any kind of censorship like that is dangerous. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We only have a few minutes left. Let's talk a little bit about um, the, uh, the, the, the chapter called Valentine's Day Phone Call from Albert Einstein. What's that about? <laughs> I'm sorry. 
afraid to laugh, but I really was against even putting this chapter in the book as a PR person. I'm like, oh, my God, people will think I'm nuts, but it really happened. Did you, you checked out the chapter? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm going to just say it as quickly as I can, because it could be a five-minute conversation, but I'll just do it fast. Okay. I was writing in February of 2016 a chapter about great minds in history that embraced intuition like Carl Jung and others. And my husband, who's very supportive, but really not involved in my book, called me upstairs. Marianne, Marianne, come upstairs, and I have something to show you. And he had these quotes from Albert Einstein about intuition that I had... I didn't know Albert Einstein was into intuition. So I thanked my husband, um, and I said, but why are you even looking this up? Because he always downloads music. That's what he does in his off time. He goes, I don't know. I just suddenly remembered I saw these quotes before. So I go downstairs. I'm writing this chapter. I'm looking up Einstein. He was later in his career involved in intuition. Didn't know that. Come back um, from dinner the next day. The phone rings at 8.20 in the morning on a Sunday. It is February 14th, Valentine's Day. And this woman I have never spoken to before, I pick up the phone and say, 20, hello, I was doing my morning meditations and prayers, and I was guided to call you and wish you a happy Valentine's Day by Albert Einstein. <laughs> and I'm, I'm literally in underwear because I was about to take a shower Came in here only to look at my email. My daughter's at a sleepover. That's the only reason I grabbed the phone. I thought maybe something was wrong at the sleepover. My husband's still asleep, and so she starts to talk, and she says, he wanted to let you know you're a vessel of truth. The project you're working on is going to help many people. You've been guided to be have the right people included in this project. And you have a Native American guide. She starts talking, on, and I, I stop her, and I say, excuse me. And fortunately, I have a tape recorder right here because I do a lot of interviews. And I didn't put it on yet, but I'm taking notes. And I said, excuse me, who are you? And she said, I'm, I'm Edna. And I look up, I'm thinking, she's a, uh, Edna is the name of a psychic. Maybe I'm supposed to interview. But the name is Aaron that somebody told me about. So I said, what's your last name? She said, Randall. And I Google Edna Randall, and the New York Times story from 2003 comes up about mediums. John Edwards involved. Edna's interviewed, etc. So she's a real person, a medium. And I said, do you know my name even? She goes, no, but I know your, one of your names is like my mother's name, Anne. I said, do you know what I'm working on? She said, no, I don't. I said, how did you get my phone number? And she said, well, when he was giving me, meaning Einstein, the message I'm to give to you, he, he dictated your phone number. And she dictates, she says the phone number back. The last four digits, though, were slightly off. She says 1309. Well, my number is 1389, but she says before I can speak, but he told me to take the zero between the three and the nine out and put in an infinity symbol, which is the number, you know, right. eight. Yeah. So I'm like in shock. So she starts to give me the message that he was to give. And I will only read like the first sentence or so, but it shocked me. And by this time, thank God, I have my tape recorder on. So his message starts, her voice lowers, and she starts to say the message. And it's, Madame, like who says Madame anymore, but Madame, I am still focused on the agenda of bringing humankind to the highest best good. I'll read it again. Madame, I am still focused on the agenda of bringing humankind to the highest, best good. I'll read the next sentence. It is about not destruction but elevation 
of the illumination of consciousness. Okay, then he goes into more detail. I'm like, Einstein is still on the case to try to change human consciousness? Anyway, we finished the message, and I asked her for her phone number. In Lo- she lives in Long Island because I'm shaking. Yeah. And I call her the next day, and she basically confirms that she called me to, to let me know that Einstein says I'm on the right track and this is going to help people, etc. So I go in to take my shower, and I'm standing there. I look at the ceiling, and I say, can you tone it down a little bit? This is more than I can handle. Because I was like, ah, and I took my shower. My husband gets up, and he says, he says, oh, she probably wants to be in your book. And I'm like, no, she's, she's not doing reading. She doesn't care about my book. He says, well, listen, Einstein contacted me first, which was correct, because he sent he got my husband to look up those quotes or something. So my daughter comes home from her sleepover. She's 14 at the time. And he says, hey, guess who called mom and wished her a happy Valentine's Day? And he says, Albert Einstein. And my daughter gave like the 14-year-old eye roll, like, you know, she's heard it all with the work I do. But um, it was it really happened. And I talked to the scientists that I interviewed, and they said, oh, we have no doubt that it was Einstein and, uh, or a brilliant collection of energies, including Einstein, because they've been contacted, oddly enough, by Einstein also through this mediums, different mediums. And they said, but the thing that really got us was the phone number. How They've never seen that before, except one time one person saw a code in a safe being you know, given. But... It kind of blew my mind, so I had to put it in the book. What did you think of it? Did you think it was bizarre? I think it's it's amazing, actually. It's it's bizarre in its own right, but it's just amazing uh, all the way around. It's it's pretty incredible stuff. Well, and I'm in my underwear. I'm about to take a shower, <laughs> and Einstein's saying Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. wow, it's it was a wow. It was a wow. So I decided to put it in the book because. I mean, come on! If Einstein can trying to help change, you know, the way we view things, uh, we can we can do a little work on it, right? I, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> uh, we're almost out of time here, Marianne. What's your overall hope for people when they read the book? What do you want them to walk away with? I want them to feel empowered that they have access to this incredible resource, if for no other word. I mean, come on. You've got this brilliant energy that's there rooting for us, no office politics, this team of collaborators that love us, that want to help us, giving us information. Just be open to it, okay? Ask for help also, and listen. And so listen to your inner voice. Take your ego down a peg or two. That's not too hard. And just understand that it's right there and start utilizing that because, quite frankly, the planet is and the world is in a bit of a – you know, bollocks right now. We're having problems. It's time we need to tune in. And I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, this book and other many other people are coming around trying to raise awareness about this stuff. It's simple. I want people to know it's not anything hard to do. It's just a matter of listening. Um, I'm not, as I said, I'm not a good meditator. You don't have to hold crystals in your hands and focus on your chakras, which I think is wonderful if you can do. If not, just quiet your mind for a second or listen when you're in the shower or waking up and and just just get there where you understand that you are also very much loved and they're rooting for us those are the messages i would give 
The book is and called... They can, they can find me on Amazon.com, by the way, as well, my book. That was going to be my next question. Oh. The, <laughs> the book is called The Gift Within Us, Intuition, Spirituality, and the Power of Our Own Inner Voice. Uh, your website, is that a good spot to go for people to keep up with your work? Yes, I have a blog, and uh, I have a Facebook and an Instagram and what have you, and my website com is is there it also can take you to to buy the book if you want um yeah no i i appreciate your listeners are very informed people and i love speaking to an informed audience i mean just spread the word that's all i can say just continue to listen to to your show and spread the word to other people um because we kind of need this race consciousness now and it's happening well, you've been a terrific guest. I appreciate your time, Marianne. Thanks for being here. Thanks for your message as well and all the work that you're doing. Look forward to having you back sometime. Okay, JV. Thank you so much. Beyond Reality Paranormal is hosted by JV Johnson and produced by Orion Palmer and Slick Eddie Edwards. Like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please consider supporting the program either through your podcast platform, click on the link in the description, or on Patreon at Joha Productions. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Paranormal or you have a recommendation for a guest, contact our producer, Slick Eddie Edwards. Eddie is spelled with a Y at slickeddieedwards at gmail.com.